Once upon a time, a little girl started on a journey. She looked into her daddy's eyes and exclaimed, I'm going to climb every mountain I find. Her daddy smiled and said, You can do it. I know you can. So on her merry way she went when she came upon a bump. It was just a little bump, but enough to trip her up. So she sat and rubbed her skinned up knee and cried, I just can't do it. This bump is just too much. And then she heard her daddy's voice. You can. I know you can. So she got up and tried again. I can because my daddy said I could. One careful step after another, and she did. She got over the bump. With her scraped up knee and her tattered dress, she found herself at the base of a hill. The grass was long and thick, and with every step forward, she slid a few steps back. In frustration, she cried out, I cannot do this! This hill is just too much! Faithful as ever, she heard her daddy's voice. You can. I know you can. With new resolve, she got back up. I can, because my daddy said I could. On hands and knees she crawled. It was not easy. It was not pretty. But she made it to the top of the hill. Just when she thought her journey was complete, she looked off in the distance and saw a tall, majestic mountain with snow-covered peaks. As if the hill was not enough. The mountain loomed. It looked so overwhelming, so impossible. This time she exclaimed, Why, Lord, why? This mountain is much too high. Feeling defeated, she sat and cried, I cannot do this. There is just no way. And lo and behold, his still, small voice, You can. I know you can. So she got up and tried again, scraped up knees and torn up dress, haggard and exhausted. I can, because my daddy said I could. One step in front of the other for what seemed like years, when finally she reached the top and sat to catch her breath. From the top of the mountain, she looked down and reflected upon the journey she had taken. Now older and wiser, she could see how the bump had prepared her for the hill, and the hill for the mountain. And the voice was not merely the voice of her daddy, but the voice of her heavenly father, who had been with her all along. All she had accomplished was because he said she could. As she gazed upon the valley below, she could hear him say, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We say thank you to Linda Peterson, who painted such a wonderful portrait. We all go through our little bumps and bruises. We trip and we fall. But God is the one that can help us get back up. And most of the times we draw close to God through those painful seasons. But as he continues to grow us in him, we look back on the years and we can say, what a magnificent God we serve. That's what this series is about. No matter what your view is on God, it's really all about His glory. God deserves His glory. And so you can take out your bulletin and your notes. 
And what we want to look at is, is how God's glory is to be made known. Because in our world today, we don't know what God's glory is supposed to look like. Like in the Old Testament, when we read, we see God's hand at work. We see the, the uh, Red Sea split. We see the Israelites being led by the, by the pillar of fire and the cloud. So they could physically see God's glory in that kind of way. But does God's glory and is God's glory still being shown like how it was back in the Old Testament days? And if it is, how come we don't see His glory as how it was in those times? And so through this series, that's the heart. We want to get back to God's glory, His magnificent glory. We know of our uh, culture today, and we know of uh, the things that we see. We have so much entertainment. And so sometimes we're, we're, we're awed and, and uh, entertained by special effects and all of these things. So sometimes we, our eyes are trained to see things that are unbelievable. So when things really happen, it's like we're immune to the impossible or the, the great things that, that are happening because maybe we're desensitized by the things we see on TV. I don't know. I don't know what it is. We all have different views. We all have different opinions on what God's glory is all about. But that's what we want to look at through this series is God's glory and the glory that He's due. When the Israelites were being led out of Egypt and God's glory was shown, they could understand how great God was. But if you read, they forgot really quickly how God's glory was to be made known and how great God is. They forget so fast. In the book of Isaiah, he's talking about God's glory and His reputation. And, and he puts it this way. And if you do have your notes, you can take that out and follow along. Or your Bibles. You can open up your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 63, verse 14, he says it like this. He says, As with cattle going down into a peaceful valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. You led your people, Lord, and gained a magnificent reputation. Did you know that even people who didn't believe in God still gave God the glory He was due for His reputation? They were afraid of the Israelites because of God's reputation. They, after a while, didn't want to do battle with the Israelites because they said, wait a minute, as few of a number they are, as small as their army is, they're defeating nations who are numerous in size because of their magnificent God. So God's reputation was always first. I think sometimes today in our world, God's reputation is tarnished not because of who He is, but because sometimes His people ruin His reputation by their lifestyle. Sometimes I, as a Christian, I don't live according to God's glory, so when people see my life, they base God's reputation on how I live. And so, through this series, we want to reverse that, and we want to put God first so that His glory may be made known, even in our weakness, even in our flaws, Even though we may struggle, we can live a life that is pleasing to God so that they see His glory. It continues, and in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, 
God is giving us His commandments. And here's one of them. He says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. We know it in this way. Thou shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Now, what does that mean to use the Lord's name in vain? Because right now, some of us are getting nervous. Oh, oh what, what, what does that mean? That means to misuse His name or there's an improper, irreverent tone or heart to His name. That there's an a, a irreverent uh, uh, way we're using His name. That we're using His name in vain. It's an irreverent manner or an improper manner. We know it today as swearing using God's name. Now hold up, okay? Because before guilt comes on all of us, let's learn together. Some of us have grown up in a society or a household that used God's name as a swear word. And please pardon my language as we go through this because I want it to be crystal clear. Some of us grew up in a household where God's name was used as God and then damn. And then we would say, oh my God, to show disbelief or something that's happening, something that you're unaware of or something that caught you by surprise. And then we'll use it in that way. And we, we actually do this without even knowing it. We take the name of God and we reduce it, watch this now, to a swear word. And God's reputation is so much more than a swear word. Now, for some of us, we're used to it. We don't recognize it. It's in us, and we're trying to learn. But God's reputation sometimes can be tarnished by us. That's why when you'll see this, actually it came from uh, the acrostic OMG. It came from that. Oh, my God. And so now we use that acrostic in that way, whether texting or putting that on Facebook or out in the uh, public or even in the media. They have um, magazines that has that on it. And I thought, Lord, can we be the generation that redeems your name to this world? Can we be the people who will... Bring your reputation to the place that it's due. Can we be the generation that that shows your glory, not in a prideful way, but in a very practical way? A way that that we can live by. A way that doesn't put people down, that that doesn't condemn people, but lifts your name up. We used to have this uh, thing where, because I was working through uh, stopping from swearing. So we would have this, we called it a swear jar. And so every time I said a bad word, actually it started off with, I, I, I said to Heidi, I said, keep me accountable. I, I don't want to swear anymore because now, you know, I'm a Christian. I want to do better. I want to have a better lifestyle. I want to represent God better. I have no excuse. So can you keep me accountable? Every time I say a swear word, and I told my friends, just slap me on the back of my neck. That lasted about a day. <laughs> so, because it wasn't going well. And so we had to figure out another way. And so we had this swear jar. Every time... We said a bad word, we would have to put a dime 
in this little piggy bank, and it was an actual little pig. That thing filled up quickly. So it, it, the money went to our children. I forget where it went to, but I thought, what if, what if we were to keep each other accountable? However you want, now don't be slapping people in the back of their neck or their head. Just, just think, how could we keep each other accountable? Because I believe every single one of us want to get better. We all want to glorify God in some way. And I think if we keep each other accountable, I don't know how we're going to do that. I don't know how we're going to you know, keep each other accountable. But you can, in your family, with your friends, with your co-workers. They know you're a Christian. They know. Christians are supposed to be different. We're supposed to glorify God. That's who people look for to glorify God. God may not show up in a pillar of fire, but He's going to show up as fire in you. He may not show up as a cloud today, but He'll show up in you. And God is looking for people who will step up to say, I will glorify you. I will do my best to be accountable. And if you don't know how, maybe what we can do is put a little offering bucket here. And when there's a swear word, you come in here and just put something in there. I don't know how we're going to do it. Just keep each other accountable. Now, let me, let me say this. Give grace. Okay? Because we're starting this. Give grace. So when somebody does say, you know, one of the swear words or, or uses God's name in vain, just give them a quick reminder. Especially because we're here in church. Or if you are here in church and you hear this message, just say, hey, Remember now our magnificent God. We're giving God glory. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Now, don't fight over it because now we'll be going backwards. Just keep each other accountable with the love of God. Can we do that? Say amen. 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 We can do that. Let's try our very best. And Exodus says that. Let's, let's, let's magnify His name. We want to do better at that. And that's the heart behind this entire series. See, God has empowered us not to live the good life, but He wants us to live the better life. I remember when we were going through that season for Heidi and I, and we would, you know, uh, get ready for church and then come to service, and we would walk in late, and I would, I would say, Lord, I'm, I'm trying to stop swearing. I'm, I'm trying my best to get these swear words out of my mind. And he says, okay, stop what you're listening to because it's all swearing music. Stop the movies you're listening to because there's so much swearing in it. I'm trying to do what you're asking me to. I'm cleansing you out, but you keep pouring it back in. And so I said, okay, what do I need to do? And he said, okay, just, just put those on the side. And I said, well, what am I going to listen to? He said, listen to positive music. Listen to, listen to music that will lift up your soul. Listen to music that will glorify me. And at first I was listening to it. And I was like, I hate it. There's no beat to it. I don't like it. But I tell you today, there, there is... There is tons of positive music that we can listen to with the right beat. And God provides it. And then he said, and then come to worship. Worship me. I said, I do. I come to church. I listen to your word. He said, no, no. You're missing singing to me. That's what my people do. They sing to me. Okay, Heidi, we need to get to church on time. So next week, we're going to be on time. Church starts at 845. Let's be there. I get in the car waiting, waiting, waiting. So finally, we, we get to church. I say, you know, Heidi, we got to get on church on time. She, and, and this is how good Heidi is. She goes, okay, let's do that. I say, but you take so long. You, 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 by the time we get to church, we late. And, and it's like we got to rush. She says, okay, we can be on time. Watch this. Hold on, Heidi. Watch this. 
She said, we can be on time to church if you help me get the kids ready. And all the moms said, amen. Yeah, I know. I understand. Hang on, hang on. Let me keep going. Guys, hang on. No worry. We're still going. I got you. So they're all panicking. And some men get the kids ready. Right, men? It's like four. Amen. So because what was happening is I would get ready like that. I get myself ready. I get, I get, I get in the car. And I'm waiting for Heidi in the air-conditioned car. While she's getting the two kids ready, getting their bottles ready, making sure they have extra clothes. Because men, we get our kids ready, we put on a pamper and a shirt, if even a shirt, and bring them to church. They get them ready. They make their clothes match. If you have girls, they have to have the right shirt with the right pants, with the right shoes, with the right hair, with the right ribbon. And if it's matted down and one hair is sticking out, cannot. You, you got to make sure it's perfect. So it takes a while for parents to get their children ready. So... I had to work together, and as a team, together we get ready for church. All of that to say, that's what is required to get us here on time. So that's what God was working through on me. And I thought, there's things that God will do so that we can grow in Him. There's things that He's going to have us do so that we can get better and better and better. So that His glory may be known in our lives. Not just doing the things of God but doing what we're supposed to do. He asked us to do things because he sees something else later down the road. That's what this whole series is all about. 1 Peter 1.13, it says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, when we set our hope on God's grace, it causes us to see that our lives are heading towards promise and purpose. We're going to go through three things that helps us to understand that we can do all things because God said we could. And the first thing is that I can do all things because He strengthens me. We can. We can do all things because He strengthens us. Think about that phrase, what the Bible is talking about. Now, we love this scripture because when we struggle with something, we turn to Christ and He helps us get through it. And you might be doing well in your marriage. You may be doing well in life. Doing well at your job, with your finances, with your family, your relationships. But I want to encourage you, if you are, don't stop. Because this is what the Bible is talking about. Paul the Apostle is giving this scripture to the the church in Philippi. To the Philippians. And he's saying to them that... Out of my afflictions, because remember now, Paul went through a shipwreck. He went through all kinds of persecutions for the cause of Christ. That's how he came up with this phrase, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's telling the church that, yes, you may be good, may be great, you may be doing well in life. But God wants to take you to another level. And I want to speak to those of you who are doing fine. You feel like, I'm doing great, but... I feel God taking me to another level. I don't know what it is. And that's why that word, all, is there. All encompasses what we don't see and what God wants to do. That's what all means. We can only see this. So we don't see all. We see some. Sometimes we live a life that says, I can do some things through Christ who gives me the strength. God says, no, you can do all things. All? But this is all I can see. Yes, but I can see more. 
That's why you need His strength. We live in a world that we get outside strength. We get books, we watch DVDs or training, we get outside strength. God says, I have a better strength. It's an inner strength, a strength for your soul, so that from the inside out, you're strengthened to do the things that you cannot do by yourself. The things that are all. The things that I see that you cannot see. He says, that's what I want to do in your life. Let's read this together. Philippians 4.13. Ready? Go. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. No one knew about weakness more than Paul the Apostle. He says, you may feel like you're at your weakest point. Yeah, God can do great things in you too. God can even be glorified in our weaknesses, in our flaws, in our defects. God can be glorified. Because sometimes we think, well, if I get my act together, then I'll glorify God. No, no, no. God says, even in your present state, I can be glorified. Because it's not going to be us anyway. It's going to be Christ in us that's going to glorify God. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I still swear. I still do these things. I, I'm definitely not glorifying God. You can because God said you could. Yeah, but my family is not doing well. My marriage, I, it's not glorifying God right now. You, you can because God said you could. That's what it means. You can do all things to Christ who strengthens you. It's not going to be us. It's going to be His strength in us. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I don't have the confidence to do what God called me to do. I, I shy back from, from what He's asking me to do. And, and when He says step out, I step back because I don't know what people are going to say. I don't have the confidence. Your confidence is not in you. Our confidence shouldn't be in us, our talents, our skills, our intellect. It shouldn't be in us anyway. That only goes so far. It should be in the Lord. Can you write this in number two? That I have confidence because of His grace. That's where we get our confidence from. It's by His grace that we become more and more like Him, less and less like us. And if you lack confidence, He gives you confidence. If you're watching the Olympic Games right now, uh, and the relay with swimming, you'll notice that these, these swimmers, when they enter into the water, man, they're booking it. They're, they are swimming fast. And it's exciting because their neck, you know, up and up, and, and you don't know who's going to win, if it's going to be USA or China or who or, or Netherlands, or, and, you're, and you're cheering and you're saying, come on. They have the confidence, not because of themselves or their talents, there's someone on the side who helped them with confidence, and it's their coaches. Their coaches give them confidence. Yeah, but coach, I don't know about this. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the backstroke because the freestyle that so-and-so is going to be doing, they'll catch us up. Don't worry about that. Yeah, but I'm not strong in this. That's okay. So-and-so is. Be confident in your leg of the race. You'll be fine. That's what coaches do. They bring confidence. Christ is our coach. He gives us the confidence. When people say you can't, go back to the Lord. Go to Christ. When someone says, oh, no, you can't make it work out. No, you can't do this. No, you're not going to be a good father. No, you're not going to be a good mother. No, you're going to be a horrible husband, horrible wife. No, family is going to fall apart. Go back to Christ and, he say, and he'll say, no, 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 you can. Because I'll give you the strength. 
I, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, I, I have confidence because of His grace. He gives that to us. You know, when Noah had to build the ark, tell me, right off the bat, when God says, okay, you need to build this ark, Noah said, oh, shoots, can, yeah. I get a couple of tools, I get some hammers. Yeah, I can, I can do this. How much? Oh, 650 feet, not bad, I can do this. Yeah, never been done before, can do. Biggest liner in the world, yeah, can do. How many animals? All, oh, two by two, can. I got to call them? Yeah, can. They can come to me, shoots, yeah, anytime. How long? Oh, 120 years. Oh, can, can. I can do that. Yeah, easy, easy. Tell me Noah was not freaked out. Tell me Noah was not like, how big? And how many animals? And what am I supposed to do? And how long? Tell me Noah was not almost throwing in the towel when God mentions this. But the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. That out of everyone, that's who God picked. It was because of God's grace that Noah said, I can. It was because of God's grace that when people teased him and said things to him, that Noah turned to God's grace. And he says, because of your grace, I can. I have all the confidence because of your grace. When Moses was leading the Israelites out of the slavery or out of Egypt, and he, was, he came to the Red Sea. And the Egyptians, the army was back there. And, and the Egyptian army came. And there were the Israelites. And there was the Red Sea. And the Egyptian army looked at that and said, We got you right where we want you. And they had their swords drawn and their spears and their chariots. The Bible says that Moses found grace in the eyes of God. Moses walked to the Red Sea, grabbed his staff, put it in the water, and the Red Sea parted. This is not like you step in the water at Puhi Bay and you get a nice little ripple. This is the Red Sea where he found grace in the eyes of God and God split the Red Sea. God's glory was known because of what Moses did. All because of God's grace. You may not have confidence, but because of God's grace, you can Because of what Christ has done, all of us has found God's grace. Every single one of us. That's what Christ did. Christ took God's wrath so that God's grace could be given to us. That when God took out his anger on his own son, that now he could look at us and say, you have my grace. What is grace? Grace can be defined as this, unmerited favor. Or, it's what God gives me that I don't deserve. His love, His forgiveness, His strength, my relationship with Him. That's all by God's grace. He gives us His mercy also. Mercy can be defined as what God doesn't give to me, what I deserve. It's what He doesn't give to me. Punishment or His wrath. Or not getting something negative that I absolutely deserve. That's God's mercy. Many of us, we loved it when dad or mom gave us grace. Gave us mercy. And it gave us confidence. Be confident in the Lord. Not in ourselves. And what the Bible is not saying is to think 
less of yourself. It's not to put yourself down. It's not to think less of yourself. It's to think of yourself less. Not to put yourself down. Not to think less of yourself, but to think of yourself less and to think of God more. When our eyes are on God, our magnificent God, then we have confidence. If our eyes are on us, that's where we're going to lack confidence. If your eyes are on your skill or your talent, on your talent, you're going to lack the confidence because our talent and our skills can only take us so far. Sure, we can become successful people to a certain degree, but God says, I want to give you all. I want to take you to another level in every area of your life. Psalm 84, verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. It's a walk with Him. It's an ongoing relationship. He's not going to withhold any good thing from us as we walk uprightly with Him. And we can, we can do that all because of what Christ has done. Luke 2.40, as, as Jesus was growing up, it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. The grace of God was upon Christ. God giving us His one and only Son showed His ultimate act of grace. That the fact that He gave us His Son showed us His grace, His mercy. That Jesus took what we deserved, which was death. He died for our sins on the cross. Our confidence is not in what we do. It's in who He is. That's what gives us confidence. That's what gives us confidence. It's not in what people say, although it helps when they give us encouragement. It, it really is in the Lord. It's not in our finances. It's not in how much we have or what we have. It's really in Christ Jesus. That's how magnificent our God is. Yeah, but I want to put my confidence in the Lord. I want to be confident in Him. I, I understand His grace, but there are times when I go through certain things, certain issues, and I'm held down, and I'm drained of all hope, and I feel hopeless. Human hope dies. Worldly hope dies. God's hope lives on. So in your last point, can you write this in? I can continue on because of His hope. That's how we continue. That, that's how we move forward. That's how we can go into the area of all. That's how our marriages can get better and better. Because of His hope. If you're satisfied with your marriage right now, great. God wants to take you to another level. What level? I don't know what there is. Yeah, you don't. But He does. There's so much more. There's all. There's all. But we need Christ to give us the strength we need so that we can continue on. So when Christ came to this earth, He gave people hope. And here's what's interesting. When He came to this earth and gave people hope, there are many people who put their hope in Him. Then there are some people who turned away. Some people hated Him. Some people loved Him. Some people were skeptical of Him. And then when Christ went to the cross and He died on the cross, there were many whose hope died too. In fact, many of the disciples, as the Bible said, they went back to their old way of living. Or they went back to the things they used to do. But then three days later, when Christ rose from the grave, hope came alive. 
See, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ never dies. Even though the disciples were hopeless at that one particular point in life, when Christ came back from the grave, they said, hope never dies. This is where our hope should be. Our hope shouldn't be in what we see God doing, but in who God is. Our hope shouldn't be in in the miracles of God. It should be in our magnificent God. Our hope shouldn't be in the fact that just, just the fact that Christ died for us, but it's in the fact that Christ lives. And our hope is in Him, not an event, as important as the death and resurrection is. Our hope is in Christ, who died and was resurrected. That's where our hope is. It's all in Him. Colossians 1.27, it says, To them... God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of what? The hope of glory. Listen very carefully. If we ever want to glorify God, and if we're learning through this series how to glorify God, the only way we can glorify God is Christ in us. It's not going to be from the outside. It's not going to be from someone writing some book or, or some miracle that happens out there. It's going to be Christ in us. He's the hope of glory. As great as these other things will be, it'll be Christ in us. Because Christ is the hope of glory. That's how we glorify God. Many of you were, uh, were water baptized last week. As we saw in the video, 44 people were water baptized That's giving God glory. Could we say congratulations to all those of you who are water baptized? For some of you, it was easy. For some, it was a struggle. But you don't do that on your own. It's Christ in you. That's what glorifies God. After service, you can pick up your certificates. It's at our New Hope New Life table in our courtyard. And it's just a way to commemorate you glorifying God. And God says, but you're not done. There's another level that I want to take you to. It's another level of growth. It's because of His hope that we can continue on in our marriages, that we can continue on in our relationships, that we can do the things God asks us to do. He gives us hope, but it's found in Jesus Christ. That's what keeps us thriving. It's the hope that we have in Him. It's Christ in us. Without Christ, it's like we're a ship that's in the, in the harbor or in the sea where the waves just toss us to and fro where nothing anchors us down. But when, when our, our hope is in Him, our confidence is in Him, we're glorifying Him, that's the anchor to our souls. That's what keeps us from getting beaten up by the waves of the world, by the winds that beat down on us every single day. That's what keeps us going from day to day. It's, it's, it's the anchor that we have in our souls that is connected to Christ. Here's how the book of Hebrews puts it. Hebrews 6.19 It says, This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Now what that means is that inner sanctuary is where God is. That's what anchors our souls It's where God is. Not where we want to go. It's where God is. That's what Christ came to do. Christ came so that we could have access to God's inner sanctuary. So that we could be where God is. 
because that's the anchor to our souls. It's, it's sure, it's steadfast, it does not drag, it does not break, it will not rust, it will not tarnish. He's the anchor to our soul because God's glory will be made known in its Christ in us. There's an anchor to our soul. To ground hope on a false supposition, says Socrates, is like trusting to a weak anchor. In any relay race, usually the strongest runner, the strongest swimmer, is at the end, or the anchor. When you feel like all hope is gone, know that Christ is there. He is the strong one. He's the anchor to our soul. He's the anchor in this race. And He's going to win it. He always wins. And if we're on His team, then we can do all things through Christ because He gives us the strength to do so. When everyone else says, you cannot, go back to Christ. And Christ will say, you can because God said so. Amen. Close your Bibles, put away your notes. Yesterday I had the privilege of uh, scattering some ashes out in, in the ocean. And as we're paddling out there, first thing goes through my mind is I've not paddled for a long time. So hopefully my body is in shape enough to paddle. But as we're going out, our steersman, our uncle says, okay, we're going to take a break, put our paddles up. But then he said this, and this is what caught me. He said, enjoy the view. And we're out there toward the break wall. And he said, just, just enjoy the moment. And if you've ever been out there and you look at the bay, you look at our, 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 our island, mountain I couldn't help but to say how magnificent is our God and I just stood in awe of the things we never stop to take notice of not just the land our Aina or what we see in front of us our mountains and, and the beautiful people but sometimes we paddle in life so much that we never look up to enjoy God's presence his magnificence. That even in our families, oh, we're, we're paddling away in our families. We're paddling away. We're tired. We're dead tired. And God says, slow down. Stop. Enjoy my presence. I'm doing something in your life. I'm taking you to another level. I'm doing something. It's about my glory. I want my glory to be made known. God counts on us. How's that? As flawed as we are, he says, you will be my people and I will be your God. And it's through you that I will shine my light so that all people will see. And when they see your good works, they will glorify me in heaven. That's how magnificent our God is. Would you pray with me? Let's bow our heads. Lord, your glory, your splendor, your goodness, your kindness, your love. Everything that you are, sometimes we don't know how to glorify you. We don't, we don't know what that looks like because we sometimes think that it's the way we speak or 
or, or how profound our words are or how much scripture we can quote or if we carry a Bible or, or, or have something that represents you and, and that can be a part of it but really what you're looking for is that our lives would glorify you when we say we can't when people say we can't when we're at a place where we want to throw in the towel may we remember that we can do all things because it's Christ in us the hope of glory that strengthens us that we can do all things so I pray for all of us Lord through this series that we would learn together what it means to glorify you as our magnificent God and it's in your name that we pray and everyone said Amen. Can we give the Lord a wonderful clap offering that he deserves?